Hello, welcome to Why Not Me. In life, we face many trials and obstacles, many challenges, and in the thick of it, we can be tempted to think, why me? But every obstacle presents an opportunity and every trial can bring triumph. So I want to encourage you to adapt a mindset of, why not me? When, when in the middle of it, when things are tough, look around and think, why not me? It's, it's happening for a purpose. And then when success is at your doorstep and all you have to do is open it, you may find yourself hesitating, questioning, is this for me? Do I deserve this? And I wanna encourage you to adapt a mindset of why not me? Throw the door open wide, shout to the world, why not me? Embrace your success. I'm your coach, Todd Halls. I'm grateful to have you on this journey. Welcome to Why Not Me. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Why Not Me, turning trials into triumphs, seeking and embracing success. I'm your host, Coach Todd Halls, and I am so grateful to have you here today. I'm super excited for you to meet our guest and just to learn more about her. Uh, Stephanie Hutchins is with us today, and she is an author, a life coach, a mountain climber, and and much, much more. And I will let Stephanie uh, fill in the blank. Stephanie, if you could, uh, tell tell our listeners about you. Oh, thanks so much for having me on today, Todd. I really appreciate it. Um, so let's see. Well, you you send up summed up some major points. Um, I about a month ago published my first book, which is called Transformation After Trauma: Embracing Post Traumatic Growth, and the mission behind my book is very closely aligned to the mission of my life coaching practice, Serotonous Life, and my practice serotonous life is all based on this idea that we can experience massive growth from the trials and tribulations that we experience in our life. And instead of focusing on all that we have lost and all that will never be after our trauma, um, I encourage both my readers and my clients to focus on um, the possibilities that can emerge um, from from the pain that we've experienced in life. And so it's, it's been, um, and obviously this stems from my, my past history, um, of trauma, but in my life, I've seen that I've experienced beautiful life circumstances and I know many of them would not have occurred without my traumas. And so I just, um, encourage others to embrace those gifts that can come from our pain. Awesome. It's, so it ties into this podcast and the the turning trials into triumphs. It's it aligns with that. We we go through life and it, that we all experience um, varying degrees of pain, um, but almost always there's opportunities for growth. Sometimes they're very obvious. Uh, sometimes you have to look a little bit harder. Um, so how tell tell us a little bit about your journey? How did you go from from trauma into this position where now? Um, now you're, re- you're reaching back and helping others who may be experiencing something different. So just a little bit about the journey in the background. Oh, sure. So why don't I tie in my mountain climbing adventures in here? Because <laughs> you brought up that I'm a mountaineer, and, and that has been a very critical point, um, part of my journey as mountain climbing, actually. So um, I have a long history of trauma, but sort of the turning point for me was when at 25, um, I found the love of my life um, dead. And that changed everything. And I, I gained an immense amount of weight. And before the age of 30, 
Um, I was morbidly obese. I um, had high cholesterol and sleep apnea and something had to change. And I knew I just at that time in my life couldn't go to the gym just to be healthy. I couldn't exercise just because it was good for me. That's not where I was at in my life. But I've always been an extremely goal-oriented person. So um, when I found out that there were lists of mountains, like I'm in the capital region in New York, and so I've got mountains to the north of me, to the south of me, and a lot to um, the east of me. And when I found out in all of these mountain ranges, you could get like patches and there was like little awards for like ticking off different mountains and lists, like list of mountains. I was like, hmm, hmm. Well, I'm not so much for exercising to just be healthy, but I am into exercising to meet a goal. And so what happened is I started researching all of these mountains and I started hiking them. Well, with being morbidly obese, every hike I did felt like I was climbing Mount Everest (laughs) in the beginning. But something interesting happened as I pushed myself mentally and physically in the mountains. I started to see not only did I physically change, like did my weight start coming off and my you know cholesterol normalized, my sleep apnea went away, all these things happened, but I also became mentally stronger as well. And, um, and I started to see that how that started to trickle into different aspects in my life. And, you know, after my significant other passed away, I was unable to work for a significant period of time. And, you know, once I started feeling better physically and mentally, I was able to be productive as far as work. And I started excelling in my career. So it's like, I saw this alignment between me pushing myself physically and mentally in the mountains to improving myself in all aspects of my life. Um, in tandem. And, um, and so that's why on the cover of my book, I have a girl in mountains because it's like been that critical in my journey. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, it's so my background, you know, I didn't really share this. I, I spent seven years owning a CrossFit gym and it's actually kind of what led me to um, my current uh, coaching business uh, is, you know, watching people come in um, without a lot, oftentimes without a lot of self-confidence and maybe um, a pretty low self-esteem and they start this process of physical fitness and just the act of investing in themselves that, that time, even before you start to see physical changes, I'd start to see, um, the, the mental and emotional start to change Your posture would get a little bit better just after a couple of weeks. It's like something changes inside and they realize that they are worth, uh, the effort um, but then what I noticed to, to your point is through this, through these, doing these difficult physical workouts, it spreads out in the rest of their life. They, they, they be, just become stronger. And it's just a testament to, I think, to how intertwined um, we are physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, like it, it all kind of rolls together. Um, have you seen that played out in other, in, in your clients in other areas? Oh, absolutely. I I don't think that we can 
improve one area of our life without having improve other aspects of our life. And likewise, if one area of our life is declining, it's very likely to trickle down in the <laughs> as well. And so I noticed like, so I spent um, 12 years as a college professor and I taught mostly um, about the human body, mostly specifically anatomy and physiology. Mm-hmm. And so I am very particularly fascinated about, you know, what causes the body to change, you know? And mm-hmm. um, what's interesting is, so most of my years in teaching, I spent teaching adult um, learners, when I say that, I mean, um, learners that had families and were older and returning back to school after a hiatus for many years. And so for them, it was very difficult to balance everything. And so, um, oftentimes when they were trying to pursue their professional goals with schooling, they would often let their physical health go. And they would start, a lot of students gain weight or they may lose weight because of the stress. They stop exercising as much. And what's they don't understand is I often encourage them to make sure to keep up that physical activity because there's so much that physical exercise can give us. And you made a very important point of the confidence that can give you. And sometimes students, like I was in uh, like different kinds of medical programs and that they're very rigorous and that can bring a feeling of insecurity um, and insignificant as like, and like doubting their ability to succeed in these programs. And so by pushing themselves physically, um, like in the gym or outside, it can help build their confidence even in the classroom. I saw that. Mm. And, um, but not only that, when you push yourself physically, it also actually changes the chemistry in your brain and releases all sorts of different kinds of feel-good chemicals. So it increases, improves your mood, it improves your sleep, which then of course trickles down into other aspects of your life. And so, yeah, I've, I've seen it not only in my own life, but again, I have taught thousands of students. So, um, so I, I have seen it specifically along um, the lines of many of them and how it's impacted their lives. You mentioned, so you mentioned balance in there. And, and so working with the, with the subset or with the, yeah, with subset of the population that you were, this, these are adults probably have families, they're working, they're going to school. And this, <laughs> this balance seems so, for lack of, it seems elusive to a lot of folks. And so tell us as, as a life coach, as somebody that's worked with so, you know, with, with so many people, what, what advice would you give? What what tips? What resources for somebody that just wants a little more balance? <laughs> well, um, that is um, very challenging sometimes. So one thing that people have to recognize is, and it's, this is very obvious, but there's only you know, we only have 24 hours in a day. So if you start taking on something new, like going back to school, for example, those hours have to be taken from some other aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. And so people don't realize like you're not, if you are going to be going back to school full time, and this is a, this is a common issue that I see is that people want to go back and take a bunch of classes at once because they want to finish quicker. 
But what they don't realize is the more you take on, and I'm just going to stick with the education, but it can really be anything that you're pursuing. You have to understand that, yes, by like, you know, putting lots of hours into this new business or the new degree or whatever it is that you're pursuing, if you try to achieve the big goal right away, you have to understand that's going to have dramatic impacts on the rest of your life. Whereas if you're willing to maybe extend out the timeline for the degree program or the timeline for your business goals, it may be easier to not, you know, sort of like, you know, have everything this sort of tumbling down effect that everything else in your life can have as far as like falling apart. Um, So that's one thing that I encourage people to always look at is really how can you have balance if you are working a full-time job, going to school full-time, and you have a husband and children at home? Like, how can you do it all? There's just not enough hours in the day. And so that reflection has to happen. And sometimes students, so, and again, I'll talk about the students, they may try to make it all work, but then ultimately, as they progress in their program, something always has to change because so like they may drop down to part time in their program or they may drop down to part time in their job um, or their significant other or family may take on more roles in the household Um And so something has to change as far as those respects. And if none of those change, I invariably always see that their health changes. Mm. Something will always give. Something always has to change. And so if they're not going to decrease something else in their life to account for the add-on of something new, something that's the way life works. Something will always give. And usually it's our health. And that's why Americans, we see so many Americans are so, so overwhelmed mentally and physically, and they're not getting enough sleep. And so it's, it's that just looking at like, realistically, can you do everything (laughs) and still keep all the balls up in the air? You know? Yeah. So how do you help your clients um, set those realistic expectations. I, I've seen this played out myself uh, many times where we, we start a new exercise program or, or, or take classes and we're so enthusiastic about it, right? And, then, and of course we are, uh, but we jump in with both feet or, or we jump in head first and suddenly realize we're, we're over our head. And some, as you mentioned, something has to give. So then as something gives, there's, and at least my, for, for me personally, and I've seen this with other people, particularly me, if if I, as soon as I have to give up on one piece of it, there's this little bit of disappointment that comes in. Like, like there's a, the self-talk, like, oh, see, you, you said you were going to do all this and you're not, right? So I think it's important that people can set realistic expectations right from the get-go. I think it just sets them up for much greater success. So how do you help your clients set those expectations realistically? Yeah. So I always like to start with the wheel of life. Um, It's one of my favorite um, tools. Um, It's been around for a very long time and there's many renditions, you know, variations of the wheel of life. But um, for those um, listeners that are not familiar with the wheel of life, um, 
it has all of the main aspects of your life. So, um, and it's broken down a little bit differently based on the specific wheel you're looking at, but it includes typically things like your health, um, your relationships, your career, your finances, spirituality, all different facets of your life. And what the wheel of life allows you to do is take an inventory of where you are at in relationship to where you want to be in each area of your life. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so that's always the first thing that I have them start looking at is, you know, um, you know, how even is their wheel, you know, and is, is one area or they have a couple of areas really out of joint. And then I have them look at the goals that they'd like to achieve. And what's interesting is I often find that my clients that have like, let's say their highest spoke, like the biggest, um, the, the section they're performing the best in, in their life is their career. What's really interesting is that I often find that people want to continue to improve even greater that same area that's already doing like really well. And, or an area And what's interesting is people tend to pursue goals that are more likely to knock all of the other areas out of balance. And so why I like the wheel of life is because I like them to have that visual of where they are and then to say, okay, what is the goal that you're looking to achieve right now? And if you were to achieve it, how would it impact all of the other facets would it cause a decrease in relationships? Would it cause a decrease in, you know, finances or decreases in health? And what I encourage them to do is look at what is the one goal you could pursue that would cause the maj- everything to come closer into balance. So bring once you achieve this goal or in the process of achieving this goal, it will actually cause other areas to improve. Because we were just talking about this intertwining. You can't change one area of your life without having an impact to others. So what you're wanting to do is look for a goal that will improve multiple facets of your life. And if you're wanting to pursue a goal that's going to knock other areas out of joint, you've really got to do some deep reflection on why that is. Mm-hmm. Like when I see a client or even a student of mine that's wanting to pursue um like a higher degree, but they're on the brink of divorce and they're morbidly obese and they have health issues. I have to ask them, why do they want to do that when it's going to likely make their relationships and health even worse? And ultimately it comes down to self-limiting beliefs, you know, limiting beliefs they have about themselves, like they're not good enough. Um, or they need to prove something to somebody. And so they are, pers- so I, I, I have to always encourage people to look at why they are, um, looking to achieve the goals they want to achieve. And that's why we always ultimately end up working on self-limiting beliefs and your, their belief systems on that are driving some of these goals that may not be beneficial to them overall. It's, a, it's just a lot to process. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, so we start with the wheel of life and just look at, you know, are things, are things fairly even? Is there anything out of balance? Um, 
you mentioned goals um, and goal setting a number of times, and I'd like to um, dig back in into that. Um, actually, let's, if you would, what's your what's your process for for goal setting with your clients? I mean, there there, there must there, do you have a, a proprietary or a process that you like to help people set goals? Oh yeah, so um, so that depends on um, on what capacity I'm working with individuals in. I do a number of group, large group workshops, and sometimes that are short in duration. So in that case, I might do a more simplified version of goal setting. But for my coaching clients um, and my coaching programs, I I do a much more in depth. Um, uh, process. Um, so I'm a, a certified um, neurolinguistic programming practitioner, an NLP practitioner, and our process of goal setting is called outcome specification. And the process is about becoming very specific about the outcome, the goal you're looking to achieve. And so it's a very detailed process. And what it has you do, do is look at okay, what is the goal that you're looking to achieve? And then looking at, you know, all of the facets of it, like um, what, you know, who's going to need to help you achieve this goal? What resources do you already have to it that are going to help you achieve this goal? And what resources are you going to need to achieve this goal? And so resources don't have to even be just people think resources as far as financial or anything like that, but resources can be even skills that you need. You know, if you're mm -hmm. looking to start a new business, you may not have all the skills that are necessary to start that business. So what are you going to need to do? And um, the process of outcome specification also involves looking at the why you're wanting to achieve this goal and who is going to be impacted in this process. Because that's something that people don't think about. They always think about the goal they want to achieve without thinking about how it's going to impact their loved ones. So you're talking about CrossFit. You know, that's a very intensive kind of program and it can change people's bodies very quickly when they're pursuing it. Well, people might think, oh, I want to lose weight, so I'm going to go start doing CrossFit without even thinking about how it may impact their loved ones. Mm -hmm. Like, what if their partner is overweight and now you start losing weight that could impact them because they're going to start thinking about how that could change your relationship. Maybe you're not going to have the same kind of meals together. Maybe you're going to, they're going to start worrying about you straying in the relationship and they may start to actually sabotage you because they're worried about losing you. And so it's, it's looking at even that who will be impacted, um, by you achieving your goals. And so it's looking at all different aspects of it. And by the end of it, we actually look to see, given all that we've looked at, do you still want to pursue this goal? You know, and that's ultimately not trying to discourage the person, but to look at it so in depth that you're able to really determine if, yes, this is the pathway path you need to be on or whether you need to pivot. Um, that's awesome. So it sounds, so it's really, a, it's a vetting process. Like, Get specific mm -hmm. on the goal, but then okay, if if that's really what you want, let's take a look at how that how that lines up in the rest of in other areas of life. Huh, very cool. Um, so 
as you're setting goals, you and we talked as you were talking about that. You also mentioned, um, you know, it all it all comes back to these self-limiting beliefs. This, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I can I think of all sorts of different analogies and and comparisons, and we we drag all this garbage with us that we picked up over time that's been placed on it by caring people that, that want the best for us that say, "Are you sure you want to do that?" Or by our own, you know, by our own experiences, stumblings, failings, whatever. Um, what, so how do you cut those loose? How do you, how do you, how do you move past that? Well, um, <laughs> it's, uh, some of those can be quite heavy anchors to cut away, you know, um, mm-hmm. to our past. And so with NLP, we have a variety of techniques that we can use. And sometimes what people have to understand is, the first technique that you may try may not work, you know, mm-hmm. so you may need to try different ways. But but one thing that I, I typically have um, my clients do is look at, um, so let's say they're trying to pursue a goal and whether it's losing weight, whether it's to stop smoking, you know, just a open a business, whatever it is, it's to look at those beliefs that, um, like, why haven't they done it before? Like if they have a goal to start a business or the goal to go back to school or to lose weight or to stop smoking, have they tried it before? And if they did, why did they fail? And it's looking at like, what were those beliefs? So you first have to acknowledge what are those limiting beliefs that you have? And, you know, um, or anytime you want to start pursuing a goal, what stops you from the forward movement? What are those voices from the past? You know, and most of these limiting beliefs came from childhood that we have, but they're very, very old. And so it's looking at where is this, voice coming from and naming the belief. Like, I believe I'm stupid. You know, I believe I'm not smart. I, I believe I'm not, I can't be successful at this. I, I'm always going to be fat, whatever it is, you know, naming that limiting belief. And then what I encourage my clients to do is look for evidence to the contrary, you know, evidence to support that, to prove that belief, um, incorrect. So like, for example, um, a lot, oh my gosh, I hear my students all the time say, I'm not good at math. I'm not good at science. I'm not good at studying. I'm not good at taking tests. I'm not good. I'm not good. I'm not good. You know, so on and so forth. These are all limiting beliefs. But what happens is once that belief is formed, you stop trying to like improve because you think it's impossible. You know, Mm. you think it's not possible. So you naturally stop putting energy. So you need to start looking for evidence that you are capable of success. So let's say you're trying to go to school or lose weight or whatever it is. Try to first see if you can find evidence of, so if your belief is I'm not good at taking tests or I can't lose weight. Well, what is evidence of your, in your past that you have lost weight? When have you done that in the past? Um, what if you feel you're not good at taking tests? Well, when have you actually been successful at taking a test? Because it's likely that you have been successful at some kind of test. Mm-hmm. 
But even let's say you're struggling and you can't find any evidence in your past of success in those areas, maybe you can like look around for other aspects of your life where you have been successful and where that, um, where you can start disproving that belief, you know, um, you know, so if another belief I commonly hear is I'm not lovable, this idea that they're not worthy of love. Well, mm -hmm. where in your life do you have evidence that people care about you? You know, that you're a good friend, that you're a good, you know, family member, whatever it is, looking for that evidence. And um, I myself keep a running, um, I have always my whole life struggled with ideas of not being enough and not being smart enough and not being pretty enough and all of these kinds of things. So what I do is I actually have a running list. I used to keep it in a journal, written journal, but now I have a Google doc. And whenever I am given positive feedback that sort of challenges these limiting beliefs that I have about myself, I put it in these, in this document. So if it's a text message, I copy and paste it into my Google doc. If it's um, a social media post, copy and paste, it's an email, it's going in there. If somebody just said it, I'll write the date in time so that anytime I start going through this pattern and reverting to these ideas of I'm not enough in whatever aspect of my life, I can go and find my evidence. I have a running tally of all this evidence that disproves that belief, you know, and I have to remind myself, okay, this is old. This is old language coming from the past and it's not true anymore you know? And it's really hard to break those. I mean, I have done so much improvement from my past, but I still have these nagging limiting beliefs. And so I have to have a way, like a, a physical, something physical to go to as proof that my belief is not true, you know? Um, that's what's worked for me. And, um, and so I have a lot of people start there. Stephanie, that was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I got goosebumps. So, so thank you for sharing that and and just and yeah, and being vulnerable. Um, because so you know from here's what I know: you're you're an author. You're you're you've got a life coach and you're a successful life coach. You're a college professor. You're a mountain climber, and and given all that, you st these voices. These limiting beliefs still pop up. They still have to be dealt with. Um, and so I hope I hope wh whoever was meant to hear this today, whoever, whoever out there may need this message, um, there, there are tools and methods that it, the, you may not get rid of the, those uh, limiting beliefs forever, but you can stay ahead of them forever. Would, would that be a good way of saying that? Absolutely. And I, I think it's really, I think people have these, these misconceptions that you're, you're never like, I specialize in working with people overcoming trauma. People have this misconception that like just one day, it's just not going to affect you. That one, just one day, these terrible things that people said or did to you are just not going to matter anymore. And that's a lot of crap. I mean, and I apologize if I just offended anybody <laughs> by saying that, but it's not true. Like it's not real. These things that we have experienced in our life are always going to be there. And it's, it's and you have to understand with me being a biologist, 
psychology prof- pr- professor, I understand that that's an evolutionary adaptation. Our brain literally stores memories of terrible experiences we've had and hurtful things that people have said and done to us so we can be on guard in the future if we experience similar kinds of quote-unquote attacks, okay, verbal or otherwise. And so it's literally not going to go away. We just have to understand that we don't want to be sidelined every single time those limiting beliefs come up. Mm. We need to have a way to challenge them and say, okay, and sort of like make fun of it sometimes. Like what's helpful for some people is to prevent, pretend it's like this, has this, you know, strange voice to it you know, this nagging little voice from the past. And, oh, and some of my clients will say, oh, there goes, and they'll have a name, you know, for this little voice. (laughs) And, oh, there goes Beth again on her little soapbox about how I'm no good. You know, whatever it is, and just sort of making fun at this sort of like, yeah, it's there. I see you. I know you're there reminding me I got to, you know, of my past, but I'm good. I'm going to keep moving forward. You know, like just realizing like it's normal. It's completely normal to feel like these limiting beliefs are true. And and you have to understand they're always going to be there, but there are ways that you can minimize their effect on your life going forward. Super cool. So when you, when you got ready to write a book, did you did you have to deal with any of those beliefs? Like 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 okay, I think I'm going to write a book. Tell tell me that process because in my head, I, I so I think of writing a book and and the fact that you climb mountains and wrote a book they, they seem kind of similar. Like the thought of getting a book actually done and published seems a lot like climbing a mountain. It's, it seems like a, a lot of steps. So anyhow, tell us about the journey to authorship. <laughs> Wow. So I struggle significantly with imposter syndrome. So that was a huge issue with me writing this book is this constant voice in my head, like, who am I to be guiding Mm. people on this journey? Who am I? And like, in this idea, like, even though I know that we're never going to fully like release you know, per se ourselves from our past entirely, I still had this nagging voice in my head saying, you still have so far to go in your trauma healing journey. You have no right to be helping people through their journey. And anytime I'd be writing a difficult section of the book and I'd start getting teary eyed, I'd be like, this is why you're not ready. You're not ready to help people. Like, so I would literally like all through writing it and, and I had to take time off. Like there would be times where I would have to take days or I actually took a few months off from writing at one point because I literally was so sidelined by, um, the process that I just, I, I wanted to give up on it. And what reminded me that I needed to keep moving forward is that I, I have, you know, I, I'm very active on social media and particularly Facebook. And I have a lot of people who like to follow my journey and like to hear my story. And every time somebody would tell me, like, say thank you to me for sharing my story and being vulnerable, you know, 
because they it gave them permission to share their story, you know? Mm-hmm. And what I realized is that my story needs to be told and that my story may not be for everybody, but there is a group of people that will benefit from this. And there are people telling me, like, and I told my Facebook community, I'm publishing a book. And people would say, I can't wait for your book to be published. And these kinds of things helped me to move forward. And they were just little, you know, just little like carrots I could dangling in front of me that I could just keep moving towards and just kept encouraging me to move forward. And, um, and I really had to keep reminding myself that my book book was bigger than me. You know, it wasn't about just me and getting my story out in the world. It was helping all of those that have that untold story that are walking around with deep-rooted shame and really significant limiting beliefs that are holding them back from achieving their goals. That they need to know that even when you experience tremendous setbacks in life, that you can move forward. And I have been, now that I've published, it's only been a month, and I have received the affirmations that thank you so much for being so vulnerable, and thank you so much for letting me know I'm not broken, and thank you so much for letting me know there's hope that I can heal too. And so it was just, Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that I kept going, Um, but it was hard, you know, Um, and so I encourage anyone who has their big, their own big mountain to climb, whether it's a literal mountain or a book or a business or a degree or losing those extra pounds, whatever it may be, you know, to just, you know, know there's going to be hard days and days that you're going to get off track. Um, but just keeping, having something there to always keep your, that's why I encourage you to always write your goals down and revisit them. So if you get off track, you always have something to remind you to keep coming back, you know, and moving forward. Um, and so, yeah. (laughs) Thank you. And thanks. I I haven't read the book yet. Um, obviously, but, uh, but thank you for writing it. Uh, I can, (laughs) I get the sense it's a it's a gift. It's a gift to to so many. So, um, because I also get the sense that it was, it was hard. That that it, yeah. that, that that was a hard journey. So so thanks for undertaking it. Um, something that jumped out as you as you shared, you you had encouragement, and so I just it's that was I think was such a gift to you that people would say, hey, you know. You're writing a book. I can't wait till it's published. I, I, you know, your story has helped me with my story, etc. And I just mentioned that um, again for anybody listening. Um, offer an encouragement uh, to to those around you because we we all need it. We all we all need somebody just to give us a a little nudge, a little pat. Uh, you know, somebody that says, "Hey, you know, thanks. Uh, hey, Stephanie, keep keep going. I can't wait to see it." So, um, folks, if if you have the opportunity to reach out to somebody and and encourage, be an encourager. Uh, my encouragement to to everybody is to do so. Um, so I can't help but think that you must, being a list person, you must have another mountain ahead of you. Uh, where's what are some of the what, what's the next hike you're excited about, or or the next climb you're excited about doing? 
Well, the next big one is uh, next month. Um, uh, my dear friend Sarah and I, she's my hiking companion. Um, we are going to attempt to do the presidential range in one day. Um, the presidential range is a traverse of mountains um, in New Hampshire, and um, it's about 23 miles and 9,000 feet of gain in one day. So uh, wow. it's intense. For those of you who have no concept um, of elevation or distance um, in the mountains, it's an, it's an intense hike. And so um, I'm nervous um, about it. It's going to be the biggest one I've done in a day and a long period of time. So we've been in training <laughs> for that. And um, I'm I'm nervous, but also excited. You know, last weekend, her and I did a, Sarah and I did a training hike and we pushed ourselves. We set like goals for ourselves to reach the next summit. We did only four mountains that day. And we, we set goals for how long we wanted it to take, like to get to the top of the next mountain or to the bottom, you know, of the current mountain. And it, we pushed ourselves really hard. Sweat is pouring down us and we're huffing and puffing. And the sense of accomplishment we felt when we achieved our goal, even just these minor goals that we split up, like we just had goals throughout the whole day, you know, yeah. every, all throughout the day, we set goals, just chunking down our journey. And it was like invigorating actually to see that we could do it. And what it did for me in my mind was just give me encouragement that we can do this climb next month. We're going to have to rest. It may take us longer than we'd like, but we know that we're capable of it. And we just, we're really just training our minds more than our bodies right now for, for that journey. That sounds incredible. Sounds like an awesome, awesome day in the mountains Good for you. <laughs> Thanks. Cool. Well, we'll be rooting for you. I'll be there in spirit at least. So yeah, <laughs> Thank good, you. good luck on that, on that climb on that traverse. Hey, for our listeners that would like to, to, to get your book, to, to follow you on social media, just to be in closer contact with you, Stephanie, where, what, what are the best options for people to, to connect with you? Yeah. So, um, my book's on many platforms, but it's probably easiest to go to Amazon um, my book is called Transformation After Trauma, and you can type in, you know, into Amazon Transformation After Trauma, and it'll come up. Um, you'll find it under my name as well, um, Stephanie M. Hutchins, PhD. You can also find me on Facebook is my most used social media platform. So um, if you type in Stephanie M. Hutchins, PhD, you'll find me on Facebook. Um my website is serotonouslife.com. Serotonous life is difficult to spell. So you uh, can go to Facebook and you'll find my business link there. <laughs> so yeah, those are the best options. Cool. Cool, cool. Well, Stephanie, this has been a true pleasure. Thank you so much for, for just being here, for, sharing, for your time, for sharing with us. Uh, greatly appreciate it. Any final thoughts you'd like to leave with our listeners? I just like to end with, um, you know, I end my book with this and I like to end most of my talks with reminding people to be kind to themselves, you know, just, mm -hmm. just remember that, that no, when you're trying to achieve any goal in life, 
no, no path is going to be linear. There's going to be hills and valleys and big mountains, and you're going to get bumps and bruises along the way. And, and you're going to mess up and, and that's okay. You know, so I encourage you to um, practice some self-compassion and talk to yourself like you would a loved one, um, on a similar journey, you know, um, and just, yeah, be kind to yourself is probably, um, so many of us, um, don't practice self-love and self-compassion. We're much nicer to everyone else than we are ourselves. And I, I, I believe we need to start working more on showing ourselves love, you know? Cool. Cool. Thank you for those words, Stephanie. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. I, I, I greatly appreciate you check back in next week, uh, for our next episode. Uh, until then, uh, whatever you're thinking, whatever big aspirations you have, whatever dreams God has put on your heart, remember, you can. Until next time, peace to you. Well, thank you so much for listening. For even more on turning trials into triumphs and seeking and embracing success, go to toddhalls.life. That's toddhalls.life. And I look forward to serving you. Until next time, be strong, be bold, be humble, stay healthy, stay hopeful. Peace to you.